0: Ready, set, and begin. an out in Perth podcast
1: Welcome to Soloquacious, where we discuss everything from politics to pop music, activism to art, and all from an LGBTIQ plus point of view My name's Graham Watson, and each week I'm joined by my colleague Lee Hill Hello And a special guest In this episode, we'll be asking the questions Can brands be forgiven for past sins? Should PM Malcolm Turnbull make an appearance at Mardi Gras? And we look at some of the recent coverage about the passing of David Bowie. But before we delve into this episode, we have a word from our sponsors.
0: City Signs signage team are the experts in large scale design, with high quality, large format digital print and vinyl signs, plus the ability to create stunning moving displays with full vehicle wraps check out their website at city-signs.com.au.
1: Welcome to the first episode of Solo the podcast from out in Perth. We've got lots of interesting things to discuss, but first let me introduce our first guest. Paul Van Leachout is one of the hosts of The Mag, a daily current affairs program on community radio station RTRFM 92.1, and an advocate for LGBTIQ plus rights. Hey, Paul. Hey, guys. Great to be with you. How does it feel to be our first uh, person joining us in the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely honored. It's fantastic that you're doing this. The uh, thing we're going to start off talking about today is about brands. There's a strange phenomenon that's been going on in social media. I I see this all the time. It's
0: okay. You can just say (laughs) phenomenon.
1: Phenomenon (laughs) Um, I see this all the time And I don't know if you guys have come across it But people start posting links to news stories That are just from ages ago Yesterday Mm. I got about a dozen friends Putting up links on Facebook Saying that the actor Bob Denver Who played Gilligan in (laughs) Gilligan's Island Had died And people were really upset about it Shock horror (laughs) Well that's it Because he actually died 10 years ago just someone had found the story and then someone else reposts it but there's a couple of stories in the gay and lesbian world that keep coming up and sort of having a resurgence and they get reborn one is a story about a salvation army officer who three years ago said a comment that he thought gay and lesbian people should maybe be put to death under the salvation army's sort of, you know, guidelines. Mm. Um, and this story just has, like, a new lease of life. Like, every couple of months, someone mm. discovers it and posts it. Like, it's a new thing that's happened. And
0: I've seen it many times.
1: Well, another example is
2: uh, donating blood and the risks associated with gay men donating blood and the worry that their blood could, in fact, oh, have a HIV virus in there.
0: Does that still come up?
2: That's a story that oh, I saw just a couple of weeks ago, and it seems to, to make a comeback, come
1: back to life every... Well, the Salvation years. Army one has gone so far now. It's actually got like a Snopes entry, which Snopes is the website where you want to go and check if something's urban myth, if it's true or mm-hmm. false. And that story has actually mutated so many times that now there's versions of it saying it happened in America, but actually oh. happened in Melbourne, um, that it happened in England. So it's it's just spread and changed so many times.
0: Chinese whispers in the journalism there.
1: <laughs> the other one that's come up recently, which we're going to talk about, is a story about Gloria Jean's coffees. Mm. That back in... Uh, well, for many years, there was a. first of all, there was a connection that they um, were linked to a religious group who um, were into sort of gay conversion therapy, that you could stop being gay by going to a no. course.
0: Are we not saying their name?
1: Uh, the Mercy Ministries.
0: Oh, I thought it was Hillsong.
1: And they're linked to the Hillsong Church, yeah. Yeah. And the other one was that it was revealed a couple of years ago that they gave a really big donation, had a value of $30,000 to the Australian Christian Lobby, who campaigned actively against marriage equality, and there was outrage.
0: (laughs) That's putting it lightly, yes.
1: (laughs) So someone saw this story and posted again saying we should all stop going to Gloria Jean's coffees because they're against the gay and lesbian Mm. community. But here's the thing. Gloria Jean's coffees was sold in Mm. 2014. It has new owners. Mm. And one of the things we asked recently was the new owners, well, what's your position? Because should we really be holding something against Gloria Jean's for something that was done when it was owned by somebody else years ago? Mm. At what point do we go, I can go back and get a coffee again?
2: Did they ever get back to you? Did they tell you what their values and... Well, they said they embrace everybody. Is... They are
1: equal to everyone in, um, regardless of their religion, their sexuality, their gender. Everybody's welcome. Uh, and the company's called the Retail Food Group. They, aside from owning Gloria Jeans, they own lots of other things like Crust Pizza and Michelle's Patisserie's and Brumby's mm, Bakers. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they're a company who own a lot of food retail in, in Australia. And they came and gave a statement which said everybody's welcome. They, they don't discriminate at all. For some people in the gay and lesbian community, you know, that's not going far enough.
0: Mm.
1: I don't know. What does a brand have to do to get us back on board?
0: Change your name. (laughs) That's the easiest way.
2: Well, yeah, apart from starting from scratch, I think it's really important to note that brand identity is such an important part of business, but also is the connection that you have with a community. At the moment, Gloria Jean still has this...
1: uh, They kind of have the... They haven't done anything to stop that story spreading. Yeah, they haven't mm.
0: actively gone out and said, hey, we think this is uncool. Come spend your money with us. We love you guys.
2: I think that a brand can be changed again, but I think it's it's very hard to see. It doesn't often happen. And I think often uh, the first place to start in, in developing a brand and trying to overcome that, certainly with Gloria Jeans, this will be uh, the case is to, to have some form of a relationship with that community
1: and, and to go from there. Kind of, you could make a comparison to the world of politics. A lot of people feel like, you know, the Labour Party have said if they are elected at the next election, we will legislate for marriage equality within the first hundred days, Mm. Um, which is something Kevin Rudd said at the last election. So it's been a kind of position for quite a while. Yeah. A lot of people would still say, but you didn't do it when you're in power. Yeah. Mm. You know, like we haven't forgotten.
0: Mm.
1: It takes a while to get over that and move forward. It's a similar sort of branding challenge. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then how, how do you
2: do that? And the only way that you can get trust back which is exactly what once a brand identity is gone it's all about trust and the same with politics once a politician lies they've got to work to get their trust back is by having a relationship with their electorate or with the community that don't trust them anymore
0: well this is this is what's interesting if we're going to draw the comparison to politics is people keep resurfacing uh footage of hillary clinton discussing her previous stance on marriage which was Mm. that it's between a man and a woman and now her campaign is putting the LGBT community at the forefront, and she is—some might say—pandering a little bit. She's taken it.
1: But shouldn't we be embracing fair? someone in politics who has changed their mind? Absolutely. Because that's what we need—a whole bunch of other people in politics to do Absolutely. is change their mind.
0: Totally. But I—it's I, become—and it's the same with Gloria Jean's—an an issue of trust. People, the wider community, look at this person and go like, "Hmm." Is that still in your bones, whether it's a person or a company? Can I ask you
1: guys, there was a, a story a couple, probably about 18 months ago, about Barilla Pasta in uh, oh, Italy, yeah. who yeah, said yeah, yeah. they would never put a gay family, the CEO said we'd never put a gay family in advertisement, and mm-hmm. there were calls to not buy Barilla Pasta, and here in Australia, we saw people going into stores and taking all the Barilla Pasta and turning it backwards on the shelves uh, so people, you know, wouldn't see it as much or, you know, hiding other, putting it behind other pasta. So they really upset us. They've since, you know, come back a little bit from there. Yeah. Would you buy Barilla Pasta today?
0: Well, I, I didn't really think about it. And it was the same uh, The same thing happened with uh, Mozilla. It was revealed that the CEO had made some homophobic comments at one point or another. There was a few people in the community going around saying, well, I'm not going to use Firefox anymore. It's back to Internet Explorer for me.
1: <laughs> but he actually resigned. Those people are still not using Firefox. Yeah. So they've lost them for good. Yeah. I actually brought the Barilla one because I, I put some pasta sauce down after I'd finished using it the other day and realised I had bought Brilla <gasps> pasta. and I was like, oh, no. Even people find out now the other thing this whole discussion brings up about people seeing stories which are out of date is why can't people read the date on the top of a story
0: (laughs) I wish I knew
2: I think having seen multiple different uh, articles pop up again and again and again over years it's generally that people readers consumers have become Fairly lazy. There's not a lot of fact checking going on by both publishers or consumers. Yeah, yeah. Readers are living in an age of you know immediacy where where they want things now, and that's something that's happened for around about a decade now. And we we want everything now. Social media, the internet. Easy accessibility to information, mm-hmm. uh, larger consuming rate of the information out there. has Every meant people, citizen
0: has a camera on their phone.
2: Well, yeah, it's meant that people aren't, aren't fact-checking or, or checking the reliability well, of what they're consuming. For breaking
1: news now, it's so much now the norm that getting there first and publishing and getting the Google ranking and getting on Facebook first and getting shared is actually more important than checking the spelling and the grammar mm. of the story mm. because after you've posted it and people start reading it, you can go back and fix all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. If you're the first publisher or the fifth publisher, it's a big difference between the 95th publisher to mm. put, especially, you know, worldwide news. Um, David Bowie passing away is the most recent one, whereas, mm. like, everyone's trying to put that same information up, and the only thing which puts you ahead of someone else is being quickest.
2: The fastest there.
1: Grammar and spelling is the, the challenge, and I guess from a, a consumer point of view, we want to try and read the news as fast as possible and mm-hmm. scan over it very quickly, and we, we don't check how, how old is this or how True, is this?
2: Reminds me, I read an article today about uh, Australia's literacy and our ability to understand things like grammar and spelling, and that we are ranked like one of the lowest countries in the world because Speak it's for yourself, terrible. Mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just
1: thought I'd throw that in there. We're doing our best to help keep that score down. The Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras is just around the corner, and some controversy has appeared with anonymous members of the government warning the Prime Minister. <laughs> that he shouldn't attend the annual celebrations. Unnamed politicians told Seven News this week that it would be a dangerous thing for the PM to attend Mardi Gras. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. It's held in his electorate, Hmm. and he's been before. But the big question that comes straight to my mind is, what kind of danger would he be in? He could catch the gay. (laughs) He could
0: become a little bit fabulous.
1: (laughs) He could be made over. Getting glitter bombed, perhaps? <laughs> I'm not quite sure.
0: Guys, we're stereotyping now. Mm. I think
1: I think probably what they were referring to is the political danger. Sure. That this might put him offside with the conservative elements of the Liberal Party. Well, but that like, comment man. just came out as like, maybe we're going to hurt him.
0: I, I'm offended. <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere near him.
1: But do you think, Malcolm Turnbull, it's in his Wentworth electorate, do you think if he did turn up at Mardi Gras, would we be welcoming him? I think largely we would be. He's got a long track record of supporting same-sex
2: marriage, long track record of supporting LGBTI rights. This, mm-hmm. is, a, this is a man, this is a federal member of parliament, our prime minister, who's worked tirelessly to become prime minister and worked in the, uh, the back areas of politics for a very long time, trying to push forward his leftist views. I think he would be welcomed. You know, he he's made it known that he's a supporter of the L G B T I Q community. He's made it very well known what his stance on marriage equality is. Although he mm. hasn't been able to do a lot, but hasn't you know, been
0: able to or has chosen or to toe the party line.
2: He hasn't done anything. I think largely because you know this is a man who's in his first term of being prime minister, and he's, that might
0: be all you get.
2: He's in a very conservative party a party that has, in my opinion, been quite an extremist party up until recently. And he has to keep other members within the party loyal to
1: him in order for him to remain at the helm. See, I don't think you can say... I don't think we can say to politicians, you haven't achieved something, you haven't delivered on something. Mm. It's OK because, you know, times are tough and, you know, there are people in your party who not get on with this. Like The, the, the reality is you haven't delivered. Yeah. And I think for Malcolm Turnbull to sort of turn up to the Mardi Gras parade, especially, mm. I think there would be a fair amount of the crowd. who would be like... What are you doing what here? Are you, what, are yeah. you not, what are you not... what are not doing Well, I, I can see you where know? they'd be
0: coming from, you know. It does seem a little trite. He's in a position to take action, and he hasn't done it.
1: But here's the other thing. It's in his electorate, and Mardi Gras goes for a month. Mm. So... Is he going to avoid going to, like, how many events are in Mardi Gras? Like, is he going to miss them all? (laughs) Like, he's not free for any of them? I can understand that they go, sorry, he's he's in um, rural New South Wales for the the day and the next day of the parade. He might not be able to make it back. But I don't think he can stay out of his electorate for a month.
0: His party also has two openly gay members of parliament now.
1: I wonder if any of them will turn up.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
2: I'm sure they will. And I think that the Prime Minister will attend Mardi Gras too. I could be eating those words, uh, in a few weeks time, They're but be tasty. I, I honestly think that he will be there and that will turn up and show his support for the community. And I think the other thing is you, you mentioned that, you know, you thought that he was not, he he's just not delivering, but politics for, and most of us understand this, especially journalists understand that politics is a much uh, more complicated area to work than than most. You know? Oh I know it's
1: complicated I just think that we're so not I, going to be forgiving
2: Well perhaps not but I think, I think most so. voters and most voters in his electorate would also know that politics is a lot more politically convoluted than just not supporting
0: I think, marriage equality. I think there will be a contingency of people who are pleased to see him at Mardi Gras if he were to attend and I think it would be a fantastic gesture for somebody in his position to do that So loquacious
1: The saddest news that we've had to deal with in the last uh, week or so is David Bowie passing away. It came as a little bit of a shock. Mm. Um, The tributes and the revelations have been quite captivating, the things that people have been sharing, and especially celebrities have been sharing online, Um, little stories about David Bowie. There's been some really interesting ones. Mm. What have been your favourite moments of Bowie reminiscences you've seen recently?
0: I think just the overall... Uh, community response there, there's been very little to no negativity and it's it's been quite a, a uniting force I've had some really compelling conversations with people very different from myself and we've bonded over Bowie's music his creativity his his queerness even I think that's a really beautiful thing
1: Paul, have you had any moments you've enjoyed? I think
2: think there's there's probably three. I think the first was uh, the gif that was on uh, Facebook. with
1: Where it goes through all his different faces Mm. and all his different looks. I thought that was
2: absolutely wonderful and what a fantastic way to send him off, really. I think the second would probably be uh, walking into a a restaurant and uh, they told me that they were playing Bowie from the start of the opening of the restaurant all the way till the close of the restaurant, which was some ridiculous hour, like 3 a.m., which I thought was a, a really nice way to appreciate his work. And probably the the third favourite uh, part of the Bowie coverage that I've really appreciated and taken an interest in was no less than two articles in Rolling Stone, which uh, I had an opportunity fairly recently to read through both of them and they they both allude to many interesting stories of how he met different mm. musicians and that, that he's worked that with. And that
1: was published just before he passed away, yeah. which gave them the rather unfortunate... Title on their front cover, Mm, which is Bowie's back. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which, given that he's got a song called Lazarus, Mm. just kind of as from a publishing point of view, you can just go, oh no, (laughs) oh certainly. You could also say that things you uh, can't control. he's having
2: a different life his music's taking on a
1: life of its own do you know what I've I've really liked was seeing the ARIA charts come out the music charts and see that 17 David Bowie albums are in the top 100 records yeah that's so crazy and they you know they are it was interesting to see which ones were popular and which ones people were going out and rebuying and how high they had scored obviously his new album which is just amazing came in at number 1 but there's like 16 others sort of scattered through that and the thing which I found myself going home and doing because there's some obviously which haven't gone back into the top 100 yeah I went home and listened to those albums. You know, the ones which may be a little bit harder to get into because I think we haven't heard so many times. Mm. And that was quite enjoyable to do. I had actually been listening to the album all over the weekend and writing a review of it. Had listened to it all through Friday, Saturday, Sunday and written a review on Sunday night. And then, of course, he passed away on Monday. And I went back and listened to the album on about Thursday night and it was really... You just hear it in a whole different way. Mm. You know, you just hear different Mm. things. Well, Graham, you're a little bit older than uh, both Lee and myself. When did you first discover Bowie? Do you know? For me, I it's definitely watching Countdown and the Ashes to Ashes video clip in 1980, where he was dressed up sort of as as a clown, and it's also a video which had. Now we would look at them and just go, those visual effects are terrible. But at the time, people were like, hey, how did they do that? It's amazing. They've made it all like grainy and different colours. Mm. Um, and I remember that, that song very, very clearly. And I think the interesting thing about that song, of course, because he mentions his, the character of Major Tom in it, is that then you hear other Bowie songs, you hear, you know, Space Oddity, and you go, hang on, this song I know has the same mm. reference to this song, and it kind of starts to take you on that journey into Bowie land. Lee, when did you first discover David Bowie?
0: Showing my age here, it's got to be Labyrinth, of course.
1: And for so many people. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Absolutely. I was just going to say that's, that's where I discovered mm-hmm. Bowie as well. But isn't mm-hmm. it interesting for like, depending on what your age is, because for some people, like Labyrinth, the Goblin yeah. King is like, oh my God, what is he doing? <laughs> As where, if you grew up with that, it's like, yeah, that's where he it starts. Yeah, I think Bowie love it will go on for a long time. Certainly will. The other thing that's really interesting is uh, we have the French Festival starting here in Perth next week, and just mm. going through all the descriptions of all these 700 cabaret shows which are about to open in the city of circus and cabaret and juggling and every type of performance. How many performers reference Bowie? Or say they're Bowie-esque oh, yeah. in their bios, which were all written before he died or his, this comeback of his album happened. They were all written, you know, three months ago. Mm. I'm just wondering, next year, will there be as many performers who are saying they're Bowie-esque or that transcend to something much higher and yeah. revered?
0: I think more people are going to be <laughs> trying to plug themselves by writing on Bowie. I Let's think there'll be, be a whole
1: bunch of Bowie-type shows next year as mm. well. Mm. Oh, yeah. If you're planning a Fringe show. It's something to think for.
0: Which everybody is, apparently.
1: Hey, Paul, thank you so much for coming and joining us for our first podcast of Solar Loquacious. My pleasure. I look forward to listening to future episodes. We'll give a big shout-out to our sponsor, City Signs. If you'd like to find out more about them, head to city-signs.com.au. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. We'd love it if you gave us a review on iTunes. And subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode. You can join us in the conversation about this show on Twitter. Use the hashtag soloquacious or head to our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com forward slash out in Perth. We can add your comments on the timeline. And if you'd like to connect with the team from out in Perth, you'll find us at outinperth.com. Until next time, remember, be vocal, be loud, be fabulous, and be so loquacious.
0: Bye.
1: See ya. Bye.